Psalm 13, uh, I'd like to read to you, and we're not going to go verse by verse through this psalm this morning. This series is going to be a little different. We're going to get into some of the psalms more. This morning, we're just going to use this psalm as illustrative of all of the psalms of lament and just highlight a couple of things in this psalm as we go along. But Psalm 13 is a psalm of David, and here's what he says, How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day of sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Let's pray. Lord, I want to publicly praise you this morning for the Psalms of Lament. God, thank you for wanting to be with us in those stretching moments or seasons of life and giving the experience of the psalmist to, and their prayers to just help us to reorient our own souls toward you in times of exhaustion, confusion, uh, even dread of, of danger. And Lord, I pray as we look at this that, that you would enable all of us, even those that feel this morning life is good and I don't really want to think about lament, that God, we might all see the practical value of these psalms for our own journey. Teach us about yourself as we study them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. None of the passengers of the Avianca airline bound for Quito, Ecuador, ever knew what happened. The plane crashed clumsily into the 14,000-foot mountain peak and then dropped a flaming mass of metal into the ravine below. On board that plane was a young man named Glenn Chambers, Glenn was a young guy on his way to be a missionary with Voice of the Andes. And while he had been at the Miami airport, I uh, penned a quick note to his mom before he got on the plane. He had had an envelope, but he didn't have any paper to write a note, so he had seen a scrap paper literally on the floor of the terminal and had taken it. On the one side, it was fairly blank. On the other side, it was part of an advertisement. And it, it, the advertisement of this scrap of paper had just highlighted one big word. The word was why. And then he wrote his note to his mom on the other side. Between the time that she received his note, he mailed the note and she received the note, he was killed in the Andes crash. And she tells the story of receiving the letter, seeing it's from her boy, who she knows is now gone, and opening the envelope and taking out the paper and the side that was facing her was the big, bold word, why? We all have those moments when life just thrusts at us things that we just have the question of why. The Lament Psalms, which comprise at least 50 of the 150 Psalms, regularly raise the question of why. 
In Psalm 42, verse 9, one of the Lament Psalms, it says this, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Another question that is regularly asked in the Lament Psalms is found in the beginning verses of this psalm, Psalm 13. How long? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? These lament psalms bring to us questions. And the psalmist of, in, the, in the 150 psalms was actually writing a songbook and a prayer book for Israel. It was what they used. It was their prayers. It was their songs. And it's striking to realize that they were encouraged toward and instructed in the art of lament in both private and public worship experiences. I've entitled this series, Navigating a Dark Journey, because the lament psalms are designed to help you in hard times. Lament helps you to be honest about what's going on inside of you. Lament helps you to become more God-dependent, to grow in your trust of God. Lament Psalms helps you to develop a practice of gratitude and praise. But in reality, these principles that we're going to be looking at are actually the normative way we're supposed to live the Christian journey. So I could call this just navigating the journey But it'd be somewhat disingenuous because these psalms are particularly focused in the hard seasons of life. But the principles are relevant to all of life. Just by way of setting a a context this morning, I want to remind you that your walk with God, your whole life is a journey with God. We read the stories of Joseph and Abraham and Ruth of, of Moses and Esther in the Bible. And really, they're only known because they have stories of God. It's the story of God that is being presented to us. He orchestrated the historic situations, and he allowed these people to journey with him and be a part of that story he was writing. That is true of your life as well. That actually, your life is designed to be a story about God about how he can take care of you, of how he loves you, of how he can lead you and others and empower you to do things that you just can't do without him. But of course, we don't naturally look at life that way. Our default mode is to rely on ourselves. We've learned to do that. We anticipate doing that. And in point of fact, we're always trying to be God more than we're trying to cry out to God. And we're trying to navigate this thing, do it ourselves, pull it together, and given the choice of cast our cares or carry our cares, we will tend to carry them thinking this is normal and admirable and that we carry them so consistently is proof of our expectation that we can be God in our lives. So... God allows things in the lives of his children to let them know they can't control life. They really aren't orchestrating their lives in the way it feels like we are. 
Cancer comes. People lose their job. Some are rejected by a loved one or a spouse. Young parents find they can't bear children. Financial crises happen. We find we're not a success in the way we expected to be at this point of our life. Crises come and life feels dark. In those seasons of darkness, God teaches his children to lament. It is a way of surviving and even prospering in a season that seems overwhelming and intimidating. But those dark seasons are really helping you to get where life is really designed to be lived all the time in desperate, continual dependence on God. So who is this series for? Well, certainly it will particularly speak to those who are in a dark season. But the stages, the steps, the Psalms will outline for us can reorient anyone back to life as God designed it to be. So while many of us discover lament in crisis, it can also be applied to less intense situations. We can use the spiritual reorientation of going, groaning, asking, and trusting that we'll see in the normal stuff and struggles of life. When a friend misunderstands you, when a child's behavior is embarrassing, when your family finances are inadequate or the flu has knocked you down, you can use lament to redirect your heart. So what is lament? What does this word even mean? Well, this is the working definition I would go with. Lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart, wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. The paradox, that we don't see how these two things fit together, the promise of God's goodness and the pain we're experiencing. Every Christian is going to have adversity and suffering, but there is a stark contrast between those who learn to lament and those who do not. I'd like to, after that long introduction, I'd like to share four principles this morning regarding lament as a way of introducing this series First of all, lament is for times of pain. The author of these psalms is writing in all kinds of situations. These 50, or some people believe there's as many as 70 of the lament psalms, of the psalms of lament. And what identifies a lament psalm is the author is struggling with something or someone or someones in his life. And here are some of the situations as went through the psalms and 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 thought through what they're saying. And here were some of the specific situations in which the psalmist is finding himself as he laments. People were attacking him. In others, people have betrayed him. People he loves are being hurt. He's mourning losses. There's loneliness, intense and acute loneliness at times. He's dealing with severe physical afflictions. At other times, there's the fear of future dangers and his own vulnerability. There's times of significant internal anguish expressed, complete exhaustion and discouragement. These are some of the scenarios, as many others, and each one has historic moments, many which are identified at the beginning of the psalm. Lament, secondly, is only for people of faith. This is really important to understand because... Laments are designed for people who know God. 
Lament is not the same as grieving or mourning or crying out in pain or seasons of suffering. Everybody does that. That's not what a lament is. A lament isn't just a moan and groan or, 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 or feeling the weight of, of a horrific situation or even just an exhausting one. Lament is uniquely for those who believe there is a God and are seeking to trust him with their lives. Atheists do not lament, as we're talking about the term in the Scripture. They struggle in hardship, they moan, but they don't lament because laments are possible only if you believe there is a God who is truly good. You see the character of God, his sovereignty, his goodness, his love. And those realities create a tension in those painful circumstances. Lament is rooted in what we believe It is prayer that is loaded with theology, and basically you are wrestling with why a good God is allowing this to go on. Todd Billings, in his book, Rejoicing and Lament, uh, highlights this. Here's what he says. Here's what he says. (laughs) It is precisely out of trust that God is sovereign that the psalmist repeatedly brings laments and petitions to the Lord. If the psalmist had already decided the verdict that God is indeed unfaithful, they would not continue to offer their complaint. To cry is human. To lament is Christian. Only those are our people of faith lament. Now, I want to say this. Lament is not a new idea. You know, it's not like all of a sudden, wow, it's cool that they've written these books. And, and Pastor Mark's doing his first series on, on the lament. And this is awesome. We've discovered this and nobody's ever known this before until today. No, you, you've lamented. If you've walked with Jesus for any time at all, you've done some of the uh, stages, if you will, that we're going to talk about. You just do them naturally. But what you may not have known, and and, and I was not aware until recently, really spending time in this in my own journey, is that God has provided these psalms to give us a, a template to work through our own processing, to not deny and bury what we're feeling, what we're wondering about, but to really move through them and get to the place that God wants us to get. Therefore, laments, secondly, are designed to help you know God more. Larry Crabb says this, you might never really know Jesus is all that you need until he is all that you have. Now, I think that is a great statement. I would just add this caveat that there are a lot of people that feel like they don't have anything. They've lost everything that do not find out that Jesus is all they need. If your heart is hardened in pain, if your heart is closed in pain, rather than allowing the journey that is suggested in these psalms of lament, you're not going to get there to find that he is all that you need. But the stages of lament are designed to help you navigate a process by which you come out of affliction, more in love with God, more overwhelmed by his love and plan for your life than going in. You see, you don't just have to endure the dark journey. You have a whole makeover through the dark journey if you apply what he's talking to us about here in the Psalms of Lament. 
Which leads to the third thing. Lament is a journey you take toward hope. Every step of lament is part of a pathway towards hope. There are four stages of lament. Different people have different terms. These are terms that work for me, but everybody's describing the same basic um, stages. I'm, I'm, the ones I use are go. We need to go to God. Two, we need to groan, express your pain. That's the one we don't like. Number three, ask, ask for help. Fourth, trust, to choose to, to trust and to praise God. In the Bible, lament is more than sorrow at talking about sadness or talking about sadness. It is more than walking through the stages of grief. Lament is prayer and pain that leads to trust. And I want to just say this for a moment about that, the, the seminar that's on February 8th, that Saturday morning, 8.30 to 10. What we're going to be doing is basically learning how to interact with the Psalms of Lament for yourselves. I, 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 don't, I want to come out of this series knowing that I at least provided the opportunity to have you sit there with colored markers, highlighters, and just say, here, here's a psalm. Let's dive into this thing and, and make it yours. Let's, let's figure out how to, how, what does it mean to, to, to go to God, to groan, to, to ask for help, to choose to, how did the psalmist do that? How does he teach us to do that in these psalms? And I, I look forward to the chance, anybody that wants to come, we'll be doing it here in, in the church lobby that Saturday morning. Okay, as we live, think of that God has designed to us to work through these stages we're told that the second stage is to groan, and I want to just highlight this one for a moment, because this is the one we don't want to do, to express your pain. Lament is God's invitation or permission to wrestle with your sorrow instead of trying to just end it. Now, most people deal with pain by putting their head down and working harder There's a lot of us that deal with hard times by just closing life out and going faster, going harder. You may be a person who says, Mark, I just don't do emotions. It's to you I want to talk for a second. When I was in college... My wife, my future wife, she wasn't my wife then, when Marion came to me one time and said, we're going to play a game tonight um, with, you know, a bunch of our friends and said, all right, I like games, I do like games. And so we got together and there was this game called the Ungame. Now, I only know one way to play a game. I try to win. <laughs> and so we got, <laughs> and I kept, I must ask five times, how do you win? You know, because nobody, they, you know, if you remember the end game, there's other games like them now. You basically, they, they give a question and you answer emo, this touchy-feely question. And, and then you go on to the next person and they get a card. And I kept saying, how do, and, and Marion said, Mark, you don't win. And I said, well, then it's not a game. And she said, no, it's called the ungame. And I felt this was false advertising. I was that babe. You asked me to play a game. When I had my first speech class, the thought that I would ever end up as a public speaker, as a preacher of all things, would have shocked my speech teacher because I remember 
He was a very compassionate guy. And I remember our first speech. And he said, I want you to speak on something you're passionate about. And he explained what he meant. And, and I just couldn't. I mean, it was all about something you personally either had been hurt by or, or you need, you know, you were, you just wanted to change the world by. I did my speech that I was passionate about in proving that the Loch Ness Monster was real. <laughs> now, if you don't know what the Loch Ness Monster is, it's in Scotland. There's a loch, which is a big lake where there's this dragon-like thing. And, and I would... So and he was somewhat disappointed in my level of, of passion. So I'm, I'm just saying this to you. Okay, I'm not, I don't do emotions, but I get it. You're my people, okay? I understand this, but I'm saying this. The ungame hater, the Loch Ness passion person that I'm saying to you, you have to learn to grow. You have to learn to express and process and face what's going on inside of you for a very practical reason. That if you don't really learn and change from the pain, and if you try to ignore the pain, thinking it really won't impact you, you're just gonna, you'll just push through it, it is controlling you far more than you know. Here's a great statement by Brene Brown. She's written many leadership books, and, and um, she's written this called Dare to Lead. Like all of us, most of the daring transformational leaders I've worked with overcome hurtful experiences from childhood illness and painful family histories to violence and trauma. Many are in the middle of deep struggles like marriages that are failing, children in rehab, or health crisis. The difference between leading from hurt and leading from heart is not what you've experienced or are currently experiencing. It's what you do with that pain and hurt. Here's what I want to highlight. When we deny our stories of struggle, they own us. They own us and they drive our behavior, emotions, thinking, and leading. You are controlled by your hurt, she says. Rather than having your heart grow through the hurt, which she calls people that lead by, by heart, who face them, address them, are honest with them, own them, you're controlled by those things far more than you would be aware of. Lament is God's invitation to go inside and to process, to deal with what you are already dealing with, to face what you are already being impacted by in order to not have it be controlling reality in your life. Lament is also God's invitation to wrestle with your doubts and your questions. Alexander McLaren, Scottish preacher, said it this way, Doubts are better put into plain speech than lying diffused and darkening like poisonous mist in the heart. A thought, be it good or bad, can be dealt with when it is made articulate. Your doubts and questions don't go away by being unexpressed. They fester and they poison. So many believers stop speaking to God about their pain. The silence is a soul killer. 
We may think we're fighting our way through, but you are controlled and influenced by those things. So embrace them and, and listen to the raw talk that David does and realize God says he's a man after my own heart. I love this guy. And you listen to some of the things David said, I said, I would never dare say that, even if I thought that I'd never say that. And God says, he's a man after my own heart. I love this. I love this guy. He gets it. In our laments, we express the sorrow we feel. We will also rehearse the truths we believe. We'll see that as we go through these weeks. The fourth thing, and this is the, the one I want to close with, but it's also the one that speaks most to our first stage. Lament assumes you take your struggles to God. Now, I've said that the stages are not all sequential every time, and I really do believe that. I, 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 the last thing I want you to hear in this series is i got to go through a checklist. that I get through number three, asking adequately? It's not a template that's, that's wood and, and stone and restrictive. It's just a natural way, and you, you do this when you're crying out to God. But it gives you patterns that just help you to process and say, you know, I need to focus here a little more because I'm, 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 only, I'm only expressing my pain. Or I'm not really facing my pain, and I'm just trying to get to the trust part, but I'm not being honest with what I really feel. All the parts are important, but they're not sequential all the time. But you can't avoid starting at number one. You must go to God. Throw this out and you throw out lament. We all have options in time of pain, right? I mean, there's options. You can stoically suck it up and push your way through. I'm not, I don't do emotions. I don't, I don't go inside. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm a doer. I'm a leader, I'm an activist, I'm a type A, I get things done, and, and I don't have time to just, you know, sit around and muse and other stuff. Well, you can do that, and you will find that if you don't give yourself ulcers, you'll do that to the people around you. Because if they were living, if you were living with someone that was trained in something like psychology, they would be able to say to you at that moment, you are emotionally unhealthy. You are not well. The way you're responding, the way you're processing, the way you're, the, 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 the agitation we feel is telling us you're not owning this. You're not working through. That's why a statement is often made, hurting people hurt other people. What does it mean? It means that when you're, when you're not processing and getting to the place of wholeness and you're just holding on and your hurt is dominating you, you lash out. You, you, you're, you're, you're dangerous. You're dangerous to you. You're dangerous to others. We all are. But you can do that. You can stoically suck it up and just go through and say, I'm not, I, don't, I, I, I don't deal with what's going on inside of me. Or you can, when there is stuff going on, you can gripe to others. You can rage at others. You can blame others. David talked about it. Really talked about it. But it's really important who he talked to. He talked to God. Look at our psalm this morning, first verses. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle my thoughts day after day and have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me, Lord. He's, he's going to God. In Psalm chapter 3, Psalm 3, which is the first psalm, a psalm where David, it's one of my favorites because David in Psalm 3 um, is in a really, really hard place and he's been driven out of his own leadership. He's been um, undermined, betrayed, and he's running. And, and Psalm, in, in chapter 3, verse 7, he basically says, Lord, punch him in the mouth. I mean, that's almost literally the words. You'll, now you're all reading it, but it's there. <laughs> but basically, he, he starts here in verse 1. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, of me God will not deliver him. He went to God. Here's how Mark Brokop says it in his book. Prayer lament, prayerful lament is better than silence. Giving God the silent treatment is the ultimate manifestation of unbelief. Despair lives under the helpless resignation that God doesn't care. He doesn't hear, and nothing is ever going to change. People who believe this stop praying. They give up. Turning to prayer through lament is one of the deepest and most costly demonstrations of belief in God. Some of you today are in a dark place. You have the noise of people against you. At least they feel like they're against you. You certainly hear the noise. There's a danger some of you feel. Some of you feel sorrow and disappointment over situations in your life. Some just feel completely exhausted and the helplessness that comes from that. Stage one. The first emphasis of lament is simply remember to go to God. Don't avoid this reality. Don't go to yourself. You don't have the tools for this. You're not dealing with it and saying, is basically saying, I will do it. I'll be God. I can carry it. Go to God. Pray the psalm of lament. And I, I, this Next Sunday, I'm going to have a list of all the Psalms of Lament for you. But I would suggest, here's, here's five. Just if you don't know where to start, you don't know what to say, you'd like to sort of get into this, here's five Psalms of Lament. And I just, as I was thinking about this off the cop, because I've been studying these a lot, I, I, I knew ones I wanted to share, and I would say 3, 7, 10, 13, 17. Now, the brilliant part of that that I didn't realize until I actually looked at it is this. There's three, seven, ten. Ten plus three and seven is 13, 17. Huh? <laughs> I didn't even do this on purpose. Okay. So, but they're ones to remember. Just the great places to start, any of them. So, what do you do when you go to God? Very simply, I would suggest before you, you, you don't need a lot of wisdom and lament, and you don't need to think, oh, now I'm lamenting. Ooh. No, just do this. Pray your struggles. Pray your struggles. Talk to God about your struggles. Secondly, pray your questions. Talk to him about your questions. You've got questions. Why? How long? What's going on? Why are they allowed to do this? And then third, Pray the truth about God and the gospel. Pray what you know to be true. In Romans chapter 8, Paul actually illustrates this. 
In Romans chapter 8, in the greatest chapter in the Bible, talking about God being for his people. God's love, a most, most powerfully presented passage in the entire Bible. Right in the middle of it, David quotes a lament. And here's, what, here, here's how it goes. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, and then he quotes Psalm 44, which is a psalm of lament. He says this, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. David, Paul is saying, that's me right now. I'm taking that verse and making it my own. I feel this in nakedness and, and, and persecution and rejection and trouble and hardship. And he says, but what do I know about that? Will that separate me from the love of Christ? Here's what he concludes. No. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, even if I am killed all day long, or like sheep going to the slaughter, nothing, no sorrow, no disappointment, no disease, no betrayal, not even death can separate us from God's love. Lament prayers celebrate these truths with tears. So we express our pain, we express our, our questions, but we also rehearse what we know to be true. With his permission, I'm, I'm sharing this. Um, one of the men in our church, a guy named Tom Laundress, and Tom recently shared something with me in a note, and I asked for permission to share it. Many of you know that Tom and Nancy's 19-year-old daughter was in an extremely serious horse riding accident in May. And the result of that is that at least to this moment, she is completely paralyzed from her, her waist down. And to watch your 19-year-old daughter is what it is, and the rest of us can only imagine. And Nancy and Tom have prayed their struggles. They are praying their questions. But the last part, praying what you know to be true, is why I wanted to mention this, because Tom wrote recently, and this is what he said, after 40 years of saying yes to Jesus, I think I'm finally believing what I always said I always believed. I think I know Tom well enough to be able to, to, be able to interpret this accurately. I think what he's saying is, I'm learning to lean into my theology. I'm learning to embrace. I knew it was true, but now... I'm finding it is true. It's true for me. God is good. God is present. God is for me. And somehow God has not abandoned us in this situation. For 40 years I've walked with Jesus. But I think I'm finally believing what I've always, or what I've said I always believed we need to do that in times of confusion. Say, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't get it. I don't know how this fits. But I am going to embrace and trust 
You are too wise to make a mistake. You are too good to be unkind. And as you do that, you will find that God will affirm in amazing ways his goodness, his faithfulness, his trustworthiness. So we don't only pray our struggles and our questions, though we do do that far. I believe we need to do that far more than we do. But we also pray what we know to be true. I'm closing with this. Lament is for Christians. It's for people who believe. It takes faith to pray when you are in pain. We'd rather not, right? Why have to think about it when I'm praying? I mean, I think about it all the other... Well, we pray with faith in our pain. Frustration, exhaustion, and discouragement may tempt you to stop talking to God. You can choose to let the pain control you, but lament opens a door and shows you a path toward trust. This series is our journey in learning how to do that, and I long, I, I, I have a deep desire and prayer that we as a people would learn to lament. I find when I meet with people that are really struggling where I am taking them now is I'm trying to teach them how to lament. It is a gift of God to see us through the journey. These psalms are given to become our prayers, to be put in our own words. And I hope in this series we're going to all learn better how to do that. Let's pray. Lord, when we are in pain, honestly, Father, we don't want to learn. We want to escape. We want it to be over. But God, we want to trust you that you are always at work to conform us to Jesus, which is for our good. That you are always working in our lives, motivated by love. So, Lord, we want to learn to know you in the seasons that are tiring, that we would far rather we're over, to embrace the things that we would desire were gone. Because, Lord, we do want to know you, and we do want our lives to be a story that is your story in this generation that we would know more and more what it means that God loves us, that God is for us, that you are willing to even glorify yourself through us. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of lament, which enables us to embrace you in even the challenging, daunting circumstances of life. Lord, teach us and glorify Jesus because of it, in whose name I pray, amen. Now go in peace to love and serve and enjoy the Lord.